Last Sunday, we introduced our new uh, church vision uh, goal, if you will, uh, and that was uh, love like Jesus. You want to say it with me again? Yeah. Love like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we also have a fancy red box up here that uh, is uh, there for you. It'll be out on the table. Henceforth, as last Sunday, it'll be up here. But uh, we have these nice cards. Fill a card out if you spot somebody or some situation where folks are loving like Jesus. And that would be marvelous. So anyway, uh, that's there. And then we also have the wristbands. If you got your wristband on, you can show it off. Raise your wristband up. Yeah, that, got yours on, don't you? Nice job, everybody. Uh, just so happens we have some extras. Myron, in case you lost yours, uh, yes, you have yours. Yes, you do. Uh, but I did hear some creative things. Uh, somebody said, uh, I put mine on my rearview mirror, and it kind of slows me down. And as I'm driving, it makes me think uh, about loving like Jesus while I drive. So that was good. Someone said I put it on, uh, attached it to the refrigerator door. So uh, before I go and start digging in, it helps me think on that a little bit. Uh, that might be too convicting. So just ignore that one. Uh, but again, there's different ways. Somebody uh, told me, ah, oh, it's, uh, it, it's too tight. And then I had Steve tell me, but I put mine on a mason jar for a couple of days, stretched it right out. So see, there you go. We'll take that excuse right away from you. Uh, put it on the mason jar, stretch it out, and it'll be all ready for you to go. Okay. But again, the Love Like Jesus email address is also on there. And uh, we got our first emails coming through. It actually, Brent made it so it comes to my phone, which is pretty cool, actually. Uh, so anyway, here's the uh, very first email reported that they acknowledged and saw, they are in the CIA, what, that stands for what? Christians in action, yeah, you're, you're watching, you're, you're spotting people who are loving like Jesus. They spotted uh, Randy and Faye Jean and family who were awesome hosts last Sunday for the band that was here for Rock the Block. And they said they were hospitable and loving and went out of their way. So uh, they just wanted to report that Randy and Faye Jean and Rebecca and Hannah and Zach, well done. So let's just celebrate. Well done. Yeah. Thanks. Bon Ray, is that right? Bon Ray. Bon Ray. I don't know. Anyway, uh, sounds like uh, sunglasses to me. Uh, second email that sent. Uh, was uh, reporting this past Wednesday night. Did you know that Wednesday nights are back in gear? Uh, they just talked about people were sacrificing to go and pick up children out of their way. Others were buying books for people who uh, needed a little help. They talked about all sorts of things going on, hugs and love and, and uh, lots of good, loving words going on. Last, and, and I agree. It was all over the place on Wednesday night. So if uh, you haven't gotten in the Wednesday night habit yet, let me encourage you to do so. So one more time, I'm enlisting you in this uh, secret spy service for Walloon Lake Community Church. So can I enlist you? Can I count on you? You're going to be watching, and you're going to be looking for examples of love of Jesus in action. And when you spot some examples... Here's the options. Okay, you can put it right here in the box or right here on the back of uh, your wristband. 
llj.walloon at gmail.com. So again, we're going to celebrate. We're going to say, Lord, that's awesome when your people are loving like your son, Jesus. And uh, we'll celebrate that together. Uh, Today, we uh, begin a journey together that we're going to go from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation in 31 Sundays. So, we're starting today, we're going to finish up sometime in June. Don't pin me down yet, I'm not quite ready yet to, because uh, we'll take a break for a few Sundays around Christmas and Easter. Uh, but anyway, this is the journey we start today. Uh, this is the story, the story, and uh, Chad tells me we have about 100 copies left. So we're getting down. We ordered 500. We're down to 100. So uh, you're going to want to get your copy today out in um, the lobby. Uh, Good news. How much is it? I paid 20 when I first ordered it up to see uh, what was going on. Uh, They're $5. And here's the deal. If you can't afford the $5, just tell them Pastor Jeff is buying me my book, okay? So if you really, truly can't afford it, you have my permission, just tell them at the table, Pastor Jeff's buying my book. And I will. I'll go back, and if any of you truly can't uh, afford it, I'll buy it for you. Okay? So we'll take that excuse away. Uh, The story is the NIV Bible in its own words. So there's no messing around with God's words. The only thing in the story, if you haven't started reading yet, is there's some transitions to connect the reader to the continuing story. Really what it is, it's events, characters, teachings of the Bible arranged in chronological order. So we'll start in Genesis 1 today, and we're going to work all the way through to and through the book of Revelation. Uh, So today, if you got to your story, um, we are going to be doing chapter 1. Chapter 1, and that is pages 1 through 12. Um, I timed myself. Uh, Chapter 1 took me about 10 minutes to read. Some of you might do it in 7, and others of you might take a little longer. Uh, Next week, we are going to be in chapter, any guesses? 2. God builds a nation, uh, Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 36. That's pages 13 to 27. for the week, that's 15 to 20 minutes reading on average. Okay, So if you can find 15 minutes uh, to 20 minutes in the next week, you can march through the entire uh, story with us as we look at God's unfolding, redeeming, wonderful uh, plan for each and every one of us. Um, some people have asked, well, do I bring the story or do I bring my Bible with me on Sundays? And the answer is yes, yes, exactly. Got it. Yeah, you, you can either bring the story, because obviously that's the NIV text. We'll be looking at that. Or you can bring your Bible, because that has the text. Or you can bring both, your choice. Um, and here's the wonderful thing. Our community small groups director, uh, Calvin Prince. Where are you at, Calvin? He was here a minute ago. I saw him. He's got the shark on. Anyway, he's, he'll be back at the table. But he's written questions that go along with all 31 Sundays. You have the first 16. 
That'll get you into February of next year. And this would be a great time to join a small group. So uh, that's just a little extra. And uh, he, he kind of took lots of different resources and created these questions. So uh, thank Cal for that. He, uh, he did a really, really nice job. Um, we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 1. In the beginning, say it with me, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay? The story begins with the creator and the author of life, the creator of the universe, who wants to be with us. He wants to be with me. He wants to be with you. That's what you need to understand. That's where Genesis begins. He, he creates this awesome, amazing place we call planet Earth, and God Almighty created this amazing world so that we can know Him, and He can know and be with us. Isn't that amazing? The Creator wants to know us, wants to walk with us, wants to have a relationship with us. But from the beginning, give me your eyes, He didn't want to force us to know Him. He didn't want to rig the process, if you will. In other words, we're not pre-programmed robots that He just pulls the string and we say, I love you, Jesus. I, I, I want to follow you and obey you, Jesus. No, He didn't force us to follow and obey from the beginning. What, what happened there in the very beginning? He, he gave them this one tree. What was the tree's name? Anybody remember? The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil, yeah? And he said, everything is great, enjoy it, but just don't eat from this one tree. And I don't know how long they resisted. I personally don't think they lasted a month. Now, maybe some of you have uh, uh, higher ideas about Adam and Eve. I've heard people say, I don't think they lasted the day. Uh, but, but I'll give them a month before finally they couldn't resist. Genesis 3 and verse 6, they disobey and they were removed from the garden. Uh, they were separated from the tree of life. So as soon as they got separated from the tree of life, what did that mean? They were going to die. Because the tree of life is what kept them alive. And if you get to the book of Revelation, you see the tree of life reappears uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. So just let that soak in your head just a little bit. But now they're separated from the tree of life, which means that in time they're going to die. And the consequences for their sin begins to appear. Uh, for Adam, what's going to be the consequences for Adam? Adam, uh, work is going to get hard, it's going to get sweaty, and it's going to be very frustrating. Do I get an amen, men? Women? Amen? Yeah. Work is going to be hard, sweaty, frustrating, and for Eve, uh, having babies is going to be really bad. Ladies, can I get an amen there? Uh, oh, and by the way, you're going to be under the authority of your husband. Um, and the serpent, Satan, he's going to be at war with you. That was another consequence. So Satan is going to constantly attack, and someday, Adam, Eve, one of your offspring, is going to crush Satan's head. Hmm. Who do you suppose that is that's going to crush Satan's head? Any guesses? Uh, that's Jesus. That's Jesus on the cross, 
and then arising from the dead. But it also says, but he's going to strike the heel of the person who crushes his head. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Satan struck his heel, uh, but you can't keep Jesus dead. Early on Sunday morning, what happened? He arose. Okay. The story is the pursuit of you and me by our Creator. The story is God pursuing us. God wants to have a relationship with us. And now that that relationship has been messed up because of disobedience, the Lord wants us back. The Lord wants to restore that relationship with him. Okay? Things on earth get so bad that then God decides to start over. Remember that? The time of Noah, things are so awful on earth that uh, to use a golf term, God takes a mulligan. He really does. He says, I'm, I'm going to just uh, start over fresh from scratch, and, and I'm going to hit again. And he starts over with the best, most righteous man on earth. And I've already told you his name. His name is? says Genesis 6-9, if you're following along, a righteous, blameless man who walked faithfully with God. Noah builds this massive ark. Anybody made it down to uh, the ark yet in Kentucky? Anybody? Anybody? No? Uh, well, I, I happen to know the, the Durans, uh, Ella is down there, and I suspect if we give her some heads up, you might get the personal tour. A life-size replica following all of the dimensions here in the book of Genesis. Uh, anyway, uh, the best men and women on earth, Noah and his family, are spared. And then what's interesting, if you have your Bible, go to Genesis 9, verse 21. Uh, they get off the boat, and it seems like they're just off the boat. And the best, most blameless, most righteous man on earth gets drunk, wakes up naked, he's cursing, it's an ugly little story, and that's what happens to the best after they've been spared being wiped off the face of the earth. Clearly, the most righteous man on earth, Noah, he's not going to be the answer to restoring God Almighty with mankind. That, that's why I believe that story is there for us. It's telling us that's the best there was, the most righteous, most blameless man, and gets off the boat and really ugly. He's not the answer. He's not the answer. And next week, we're going to find out that God uh, brings a nation together and begins to establish a covenant people from this chosen nation, and that's going to be his plan. He's going to use this nation, and then someone from this nation will be his plan to restore God Almighty with mankind. So that's coming next week. I'd encourage you, read chapter 2 before you come back next Sunday. Okay? We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning focusing on the very first verse of the first chapter of the Bible. Um, and I know it's just a short little verse but this is like one of those foundational things, and I think we rush past it far too quickly most of the time. 
Uh, and I know you're nicely settled into your seats, but go ahead, would you stand with me? And uh, as you think about the very first verse in the first chapter of the Bible, um, let's read out loud and declare God's Word together. Ready? Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just leave that up, Dan. Okay, so here's your options, okay? Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or what's the other option today? In the beginning, uh, there were these gases that formed a primordial soup. Uh, question, where did the gases come from? Where did the soup come from? I don't know. They just showed up. But somehow, the gases and the primordial soup somehow got together, and they didn't like each other, and they went what? Say it with me. Boom! Okay, I tried not to do it too loud. I thought about shouting, but no, that's not necessary. Anyway, boom! And, and now, suddenly, everything is as we see it today. That's your choices. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for showing us what the facts are from your book. Thank you that in the beginning you created order and beauty and structure and life. And Lord, I'm glad that you were behind it all. Thank you that uh, you are awesome and able to do something so awesome and that we get to know you, the one who was behind speaking everything in the universe into existence. So we rejoice in that fact. Help us, Lord, to dig into Genesis 1-1 today. And help us, Lord, as we dig into your story. Your story of wanting to be restored to relationship with us. And why you, the awesome God of the universe, would want to have a relationship with puny, goofy us. I'm not sure, Lord, but I just want to say we love you back. We rejoice. <laughs> we're, we're amazed at your love and care and kindness and mercy to us uh, who uh, truly are just minuscule little dots. And yet, we're, uh, we're the apple of your eyes. We're, we're uh, the pride. You called us very good. So, Lord, that... that that blows lots of circuits in our brains. Help us to worship you well now as we study your book together. Lord, uh, we invite your Holy Spirit. We invite uh, your word to come together right now and speak loud and clear to us in your church here in Walloon Lake. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice. God created... Fancy word, ex nihilo, out of nothing, the heavens and the earth. Okay? So uh, that's why that, where, where did the gases, where did the soup come from is pretty important because uh, they came from somewhere. So, again, out of nothing, the Lord spoke into existence the heavens and the earth. And the first thing that stands out about a God who could out of nothing 
create the galaxies, the universe, the cosmos, is this fact. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. Um, the galaxy that planet Earth is a part of is called what? Anybody know? What's this called that we live in? Our planet is on. It's called the what? Yep, not Snickers, the Milky Way. Okay, we are an average to a small size galaxy. Okay, We're not the smallest, but we're a little slightly less than average in size. Um, here's what's interesting. Um, as I looked about uh, our galaxy, as, as our telescopes and our computers get better and faster, they keep realizing that things are bigger than they used to think because they could only see. So the current guess is in our Milky Way, our galaxy, there are about 400 billion stars in our galaxy. That's a four with nine zeros behind it. Tracking? Uh, and this galaxy that uh, Jesus planted planet Earth on is 120,000 light years one end to the other. 120,000 light years. Okay? Um, you, that hits you and you say, oh, that, that's a big number. Uh, anybody know what's, what's light? What's the speed of light? Anybody know that? 186,000 miles per what? It's not hours, it's per second. So every second, 186,000 miles. So if we all got in a spaceship, think about it, and we were going the speed of light, uh, we could go around the equator seven and a half times in one second. Around the equator in our spaceship at the speed of light, seven and a half times in one second. One one thousand. Seven and a half times. Think about it. That's just, uh, okay, and now it's going to take you 120,000 light years to go from one end of our Milky Way to the other. Okay? Uh, now, uh, let's start looking beyond the Milky Way. We've got 400 billion stars in our one galaxy. The newest research says that there are 500 billion galaxies. You tracking with me right now? You might want to take a note here because this is pretty cool. Okay, Because you'll just say, whoa, whoa. Five, we have our one Milky Way galaxy, but there are 500 billion other galaxies in the universe that we live in. Okay, So if you do a little calculation here, you ready? 500 billion galaxies, and let's just say on average 400 billion stars, probably more because ours is on the smallish side. You tracking? You get a number. You ready? 200,000 billion billion stars that God spoke into existence, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. 200,000 billion billion stars that in the beginning God spoke and created. And they landed perfectly in their spots. Okay? Uh, so that's, uh, that's a big, 
big, that's a two, in case you're wondering, with 18 zeros behind it. Okay? That's uh, multiplied by 200,000. Okay? So if you're not, if those numbers are just like too big, uh, well, on planet Earth, they did some measurements and they found out how much, how many grains of sand are in a pound of sand. And then how many are in a ton of sand, grains of sand. And then uh, on average, they'd look at where places on Earth and how deep it is, how much sand is on planet Earth. And they did some calculations. Are you ready? So here's the number of grains of sand, obviously an estimate, uh, uh, on planet Earth. There are 2,000 billion billion grains of sand on planet Earth. 2,000 billion billion grains, each individual grain, sand on planet Earth. Where are there are 200,000 billion billion stars in the universe. You starting to let that compute in, soak in? So, so uh, when, when our God spoke, it, it was like so much more than there are grains of sand on planet Earth. And I just want to add one more layer to this massive display of power in creation, Genesis 1.1. Would you turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Colossians chapter 1? Because I want to show you a little more um, which member of the Trinity it was that uh, was involved and uh, made this massive, out-of-nothing, powerful... um, creative display. We're going to put up uh, Colossians chapter 1, start with verse 15. Ready? You can stay seated. You already stood once, but you're standing on the inside, right? Here we go. Uh, The Son, read it with me, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Stop. You could just go back, Dan. Verse 15. I know I didn't tell you to stop. Uh, uh, See, the Jehovah Witnesses yell, look, 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 Jesus was born. Firstborn over all creation. Are you ready? Uh, so when they tell you that, you can say, stop, time out. That's a title. That's a title. Firstborn over all creation. That's like being uh, the apple king of the apple festival or the cherry queen down in Traverse City. Uh, you ever been down to the cherry festival? Okay. Did you know they have a queen and she rules over all the festivities? Here's my question. Are you ready? Give me your eyes. Do you have to be a cherry to be the cherry queen? Obviously, no. No. And I'm just saying, this is a title. Jesus rules over planet Earth. He, he's the ruler. He's the king. He, he, he's the, the boss of Earth. It doesn't mean he was born. It says he's ruling over everybody who's been born. Okay, verse 16. Uh, for, ready? In him, who? Jesus. Back to 13. You can look at it. All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So how many things did Jesus create? And the answer is all. All. He created it all, everything. And and I like verse 17 because this is kind of cool too. And, and who's holding together those 500 billion galaxies and making sure they don't run into each other? Uh, here we go. Ready? Last, last verse. 
He is before all things, and in Him hold together. He, he's the glue. Who's the glue that keeps everything together? Um, that would be Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look to Jesus. Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is the exact representation of God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And, and how did he create everything back there in Genesis 1.1? He spoke it into existence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the full, final, and complete revelation of God Almighty. He is God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. And he is the creative powerhouse behind the heavens and the earth, according to Colossians chapter 1. Okay? Uh, and he is the one who's created everything, including the 400 billion stars in our Milky Way. Think about it. Jesus is the one who spoke the Milky Way, all for, including our star. Thank you, Jesus, for our star. Uh, and thank you for putting it exactly the right distance from us. Because if we were any closer, what would we be? We'd be Pop-Tarts. Uh, if we were any further away, what would we be? Uh, we would be Popsicles, okay? So we're not Pop-Tarts. We're not Popsicles. You put us just the right, and we have to have just the right uh, atmospheric pressure so that there's oxygen and just the right rate. Nice job, Jesus. Nice job. And it includes, he spoke into existence, the 500 billion galaxies in the universe. And he spoke into existence the 200,000 billion billion stars that we now know are out there in the cosmos. 200,000 billion, billion stars, which is like billions of times more stars than there are grains of sand on planet Earth. Um, and wanna, I'll give you one more final fact, okay? Uh, latest, I love the Google. Uh, latest estimate is that the universe is, what's the speed of light again? How fast can you go in a second? 186,000 miles per second, uh, which means in one second in our spaceship around the equator, seven and a half times in a one one thousand. Whoa. Okay, so if you go from one end, this is their guess, latest, it'll probably get bigger, uh, to go from one end of the universe to the other, it will take you 156 billion light years 156 billion light years at 186,000 miles per second to go from one end of the universe to the other. This Jesus who created the heavens and the earth is all-powerful. Or, I like to reserve this word for Jesus. Uh, this Jesus who created everything, he's awesome. Don't you agree? He's awesome. Don't you agree, Balcony? Jesus is, say it with me, Jesus is awesome. Awesome. Now, we, we say lots of, this cereal is 
awesome. No, it's not. <laughs> this pizza is awesome. This TV show, this car of mine is awesome. So we started talking, I, when I was youth pastor, we started, we realized, you know what? Only Jesus is awesome. Only Jesus. And then we started a game. If you called anything other than Jesus awesome, we got to slap you. Yeah, so we started slapping. So if I said, this cereal is awesome, you slap them and you say, only Jesus is awesome. So, uh, and I was one of the worst offenders. I got slapped all the time. Uh, but you can do that if you want, okay? But if anybody uses awesome about anything other than Jesus, just slap them. Slap them. Only Jesus is awesome. Now, depending on who they are, you might want to think that one through and pray about it a bit, but it was, it was kind of fun. Um, I like the question that Paul asks the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Church at Corinth, don't, don't you realize that Jesus Christ, when you said yes by faith and you believed in the gospel, he took your place on the cross, he shed his blood, took your place in the tomb early Sunday morning, he rose. When you believed and then received him as your Savior and Lord, don't you realize that he takes up residence in your life? Church at Corinth, don't you realize that Jesus is active and alive in you? So I'm going to borrow uh, Paul's question here. Church at Walloon, uh, if you've believed in Jesus, if you've believed that he took your place on the cross, if you've believed that Jesus shed his blood for your sin problem, if you believe that early on Sunday morning he arose from the dead for you, and you've said yes, don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Emmanuel, God is with us. God resides where? Right here with me. Right there with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, through his spirit, he's active and alive in you. Here's how he explained it. Galatians 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Some of you know that verse, don't you? I'm crucified with Christ. It's not me living. Jesus is living in and through me and through you. So track with me now. The all-powerful, awesome creator that spoke 400 billion stars in our galaxy into existence where does he live right now? Point to where he lives. Oh, he lives right here. Oh, yeah. The awesome one, uh, the all-powerful, awesome creator who spoke out of nothing 500 billion galaxies into existence. Where does he live? Go ahead, point. Because you've got to remind yourself. Oh, yeah, he lives like right here. He's with me. Uh, it's no longer I who live. Jesus lives in me. So, here's what I want you to do. Next week, when someone says something unkind or mean to you, we can say, oh no, 
Ben, Bertha, they don't like me anymore. They're mean, and I'm nothing, and I'm worthless. Or you could remember, uh, excuse me, but the king of creation who lives right here and took my place on the cross, uh, he thinks I'm pretty special. Matter of fact, he said, this, this creation called mankind, it's very good. And he lives where? Go ahead, point. We've got to keep going there. Or maybe this next weekend the poll will come out, and now the person that you want to be elected in November, oh, no, they're going to lose. The world is falling. Let's move to Newfoundland. Let's move to the Falkland Islands. The world is falling. The stars are crashing down. You can go that direction, and we'll uh, write to you and pray for you in Newfoundland. Or you can say, excuse me, but the creator of the cosmos loves me and walks with me, and he's awesome, and he knows what he's doing, and I choose to trust him. So we, we can go either way. And we can even say, you know, if the worst happens this next week, if I step out in front of that bus I didn't see, I looked to the right, I didn't look to the left, and the bus gets me, if the worst happens, uh, I know that Jesus lives with me. And if the worst happens to someone I love and they get hit by the big bus, then I know that Jesus lives with them. And here's how Paul explained it. Philippians 1, verse 23. I'm torn between the two. Between the two what? He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Can't wait to be with him. He says, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain here in the body. What's Paul saying? Um, I get to go be with the all-powerful creator, and I can't wait to be with him face-to-face. For how long? Anybody? For how long? All of eternity. But I'm okay if the Lord says, not yet. Sorry, not yet, not today. Get to work. I still got stuff for you to do here on planet Earth. Uh, But when you know the all-powerful, awesome Jesus personally, and he lives in you, think with me now. The one who spoke the 500 billion galaxies into existence. And he lives right where? Where does he live today? Oh, he lives right here with me. Then then I guess I don't have to be a slave to fear anymore. I I don't have to be worn out, worrying, filled with anxiety. And oh no, and and what if Bertha doesn't like me anymore? Or or what if somebody gets elected? Oh no, oh no, no, no. I, I can say, Lord... I trust you because you're the awesome one. And you live right here with me. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. And the most important question I need to ask right now is, um, does the awesome creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, live in you? Because... If you don't know Jesus personally, if he hasn't taken up residence in your life, then you have reason to fear. You have reason to worry and be filled with anxiety. So would you just quietly say, Lord, have you taken up residence in my life? Is there evidence that that's true? Is there fruit that makes it clear that you're in me and working through me? 
Would you show me right now? going to ask you to come forward, but I would like to ask you right where you're seated, has the all-powerful, awesome creator of the universe taken up residence in your life? And do you know that fully and completely? Not I think so, not I hope so, not uh, maybe We'll see. Is Jesus alive in you? Don't you know whether or not Jesus Christ is in you? And if you're seated here today and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know. I hope so. I, I think maybe. Let's take care of that hope and maybe. And let's seal that and lock that down even right today. Anybody say, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, I hope so, uh, but, but I want to I I deal with that fully and completely right now. Anybody lift up your hand? I, I'd just like to, to lead you and uh, make sure that today you can know that Jesus is alive and active in you. Anybody? And right where you're seated, here's, here's the amazing thing. The gospel are facts, historical facts. Jesus, I believe that you lived a sinless life and you took my place on the cross. You can believe that right where you're seated. And Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my greatest problem in life. I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I also believe by faith that you didn't stay dead. But early on Sunday morning, you arose physically, bodily, literally from the dead for me. And by faith, right now, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my King. You come take up residence in me. I believe I receive, you take charge of my life right now. I'm just telling you, <laughs> that's the greatest choice you'll ever make. And now, likely most of you are followers of Jesus, but we still, if we're not careful, we forget who lives in us. And we live as worry warts and filled with anxiety and fear and What's around the next corner? What's going to happen next week or next month? And, and we're all worked up. And we forget who's living in us. The awesome, all-powerful creator of the universe who's working all things together for our good lives in us. Thank you, Lord. That fact changes everything. I pray for my friends here. Lord, help us to remember that in, in the week ahead. Whenever we're, uh, we're fretting and stewing and worried, Lord, help us to remember, oh yeah, you're right here with me, Lord. 
the one who spoke the 500 billion galaxies into existence out of nothing, you're Emmanuel. You're, you're with me. You're walking with me. You're residing in me. You're awesome. We love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. We